waking up on, on April the 3rd was probably when I truly understood what having new life is all about. I accepted Christ when I was 10 years of age. These young people, not only young people, as many people as possible can truly experience new life. Because that is the why, is it not? That's, that's not the why, that's the reason why we do this. Working with the local church to take the hope of Christ to every student in the United States. This is First Priority. Now here are your hosts, Brad Skelling. Welcome everyone to the First Priority Podcast. I'm glad that you're here and joining us again today, listening in on a two-part series that we have, or a two-piece series, I guess maybe is a better way to say it. Uh, as I said last week, uh, we were in Decatur, Alabama for our first spring meeting. I had Larry Way open us up, and then I had Phil Springer open us up the next morning with a devotional both times, just talking a little bit, uh, encouraging us in our life and in our leadership. Uh, and you are in, a tr in for a treat today. Phil Springer uh, is a friend. Uh, he's also a colleague and coworker with First Priority. He's been a part of First Priority North Alabama now for a couple years. Uh, before that, he was an outside salesman with Cisco uh, Systems. Got a wife of many, many years, kids, grandkids, all of the above, um, and just a man who truly is seeking to follow Jesus and all that you do. And I will tell you, uh, even before we jump into this, you go have lunch with Phil, uh, you will be uh, talking about Jesus over that lunch. And it's just really cool to sit with him, to listen to him, uh, to interact with him, and to grow together in our walks with Jesus. And uh, yeah, one quick story before we get in there. We were down in Linville, Tennessee. It's kind of in between the two of us. We were having a burger at the Soda Pop Junction, one of those hole-in-the-wall places that you hear about on diners, drive-ins, and dives. Um, and yeah, we were just having a great conversation. And yeah, somebody picked up our ticket. And I, I always accused him. Uh, it's because he was uh, proclaiming the name of Jesus too loud in the restaurant that somebody paid for our ticket. But it's always a good time with Phil. And I'm excited for you to listen in and hear a little bit about his story of coming into First Priority. So without me rambling on anymore, let's listen in on Phil. Let's open up this morning in a word of prayer, then, then we'll go to the word. Uh, Father, I just uh, give you thanks for, for this day and, and all the, the many wonderful blessings of life. And, and Lord, I thank you for each and every one of these who, who have come today and have gathered around the table. Lord, I, I ask you, Lord, to be with each and every one. And, and Lord, you just continue to watch over them and, and to bless their, bless their ministries. And Lord, I just ask that you'll be with their families, Lord, because this is a family affair. It's not just uh, individuals. And I ask you to just be with their families as we go through this journey together. And Lord, I just pray that you'll continue, Lord, to, to use us, use us for your honor, for your praise and your glory. And this morning, Lord, as we go to your word, I just uh, pray, Lord, for your anointing. And I pray, Lord, that you'll remove me from, from this picture. Remove me, Lord, so that people may see you and not me, and that you may receive honor, praise, and glory. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, yesterday morning, we... we we started out yesterday afternoon, we started out by going around the room and uh, doing an introduction of who we were and, and, and how we got to, to where we was at. And uh, I kind of want to finish what I started yesterday. I, I kind of cut it a little bit short. Uh, I've been, been with First Priority for, for two and a half years. Um, prior to that, I was with Cisco Foods for 15 years. Had a great career. 
very established, very successful career. Three years ago on March the 26th, my wife and I was on a cruise ship. We was in Costa Maya, Mexico. And coming back through Costa Maya, headed to the cruise ship, I had a pain in my chest. It went up through my shoulder and down through my arm that, that carried me to my knees. And I told Sherry that that I wasn't I wasn't going to make it back to the cruise ship. I thought I thought that was it. I thought that was it. But we did make it back to the cruise ship. Got on the cruise ship. Didn't have any more pain. Uh, we got back on Friday. On Saturday, March the uh, the thirtieth, we went to the hospital in Florence, Alabama. I wanted to make sure that uh, there wasn't my heart. Well, on Sunday afternoon, on the thirtieth. Did a stress test and uh, lo and behold, they said I had blockage. On April the 1st, arteriogram, they said I had 89% blockage. And then they said I had a 98% blockage. And then another 98% blockage. And then they said they couldn't put any stents in. No April foods. So on April the 2nd, lo and behold, I was scheduled to have triple bypass surgery at 12 o'clock. They come into the room at 5 a.m. that morning and said, well, you've been moved up. And off the surgery we go. Well, sometime the next day, I, I wake up. But prior to that, in the waiting room after Sherry and I had said our goodbyes, there was a, a voice that, that come over me and says, Phil, you're going to be okay. I'll try to get through this without tears. But more than that, your family's going to be okay. And I can't explain it, but I had a peace that I've never experienced before in my life. Twenty-four hours later when I wake up, come to find out I end up having quadruple bypass surgery because the Widowmaker was also 98% blocked. <clears throat> but never having had a heart attack, God is good. The Lord had been trying to get me to move out of the secular world for years. After recovering and going back to work with Cisco, my heart was never in it to do the job that I was doing before. I'd had anxiety, a lot of different things. And that was during that time when, when Casey decided he was going to step down and, and asked me to apply. <coughs> and that's where it gets to where I'm at now. And I say all of that to say that waking up on, on April the 3rd was probably when I truly understood what new life, having new life, is all about. I accepted Christ when I was 10 years of age. Knew I was saved, but waking up on April the 3rd 
2019, I fully understood what new life was all about. But going through all of that. I figured, Larry, you can relate. Going through cancer. It's just different. It's just different. And I, and I hope and I pray that that what we do, that we can share that with as many people as possible. So as many people that these young people, not only young people, that as many people as possible can truly experience new life. <coughs> because that is the why, is it not? That, that's not the why, that's the reason why we do this. So the passage of scripture that, that I want to read this morning comes from the Gospel of John. John chapter 21. If you have, you have it. This is after Jesus had revealed himself for the third time from, from the, to the disciples. He had uh, just fixed breakfast for the disciples on, 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 the, on the beach. And him and Peter was having, having a discussion. And it says, and so when they had, this is from the NASB. And so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Then tend my sheep. The word of God for the people of God. Hmm. Thanks be to God. See, in Scripture, there's one thing that, that, that stands out to me that then when some, in Scripture, when something is repeated three times, that's the Lord's way of telling us, hey, pay attention. Mm -hmm. What I'm telling you is very, very important. It's very, very important what I'm, what I'm telling you. And yesterday while we were sitting around the table and we were talking, we all agreed that the most important thing, theme in the cycle that we do is what week? The I, the E. The gospel presentation. If anything is going to be skipped, that week is not to be skipped in the cycle. That is the most important week of the cycle. Larry, last night when he was when he was sharing, he shared that uh, in Deuteronomy, kings had to do something, right? They had to do something to the word. They had to what? Handwrite it. That it was important. And uh, we, we teach our kids in our clubs, our leaders, to do something. Brad made, made light of it. 
to write out their faith story. I think it's very important that they write it out because we need to know what we believe. We need to know that. Because what we believe needs to be something concrete. And I think that's one of the reasons why the kings had to hand write something out because it didn't need to be something that somebody else told them. It needed to be something that they could point to and say, this is the reason why I believe what I believe. And I think it's why we need our, our young people to write out their faith story because they need to have something concrete because if it's just something somebody tells you, then it can just come like dust in the wind. It, it, it's something that you don't have any solid ground to stand upon. But at least well, that's the way I am. And, you know, Paul did this. If you go and look in, in Acts 9 at Paul's conversion, Paul, Paul, he straight up tells you where he came from, who he was before he met Christ, that he was a persecutor of the church. But then that moment when he met Christ, when, when the bright light flashed all around him and he, he met Jesus face to face on the last encounter, the, the, the physical encounter with Jesus on the face of the earth until he comes back again that we have in the scripture, that, that physical evidence. And then who Paul became after he met Christ. That is, that is Paul's faith story. And that's who he, and every time he introduces himself in one of the in books that he written, what did he do? He told them who he was before he met Christ, when he met Christ, and who he became after he met Christ. The evidence. The evidence of who. So it's important that we know what and why we believe what we believe. Brad, when he, he, he came down, he sat around a table up at Elkmont. And that was one of the questions that, that, that we had that day. We, the discussion that we, that we had is, why do you believe what you believe? And this is Phil's version, okay? This is my belief. So please don't take this the wrong way. If you do, I don't apologize. Because this is, this is me, okay? I am not a Romans Road kind of person. I'm just not. Because to me, you still have to know why you believe what you believe. You can lead a horse to water, but you what? You cannot make that horse drink. But you've got to know the reason. The Romans road, yes, it's a, great, it's a great way to lead somebody, but when that person gets there, then they've got to know the reason they believe. Because if they don't have concrete evidence of why they believe, then I think that's why we have so many people that, that continually week in and week out in our clubs, they continue to sign, up, sign the cards that say, I made a decision today to follow Christ. Or they raise their hands, I made a decision today to follow Christ. Because that follow-up, we, they, we, they don't know why they believe what they believe. Because you've got to know that. And if you go back in the passage of Scripture just right before the one we read there in, in chapter 20, in verse 31 of chapter 20, John writes these words. He says, but these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you may have life in His name. What things is He talking about? 
He's talking about, since we've come through Easter, he's talking about the proofs and the truths of the empty tomb. He's talking about the physical eyewitness accounts of his appearances and the proofs of the empty tomb. On that first Easter Sunday morning, Mary and the other ladies, Mary Magdalene, they went to the tomb. What? The, tomb, the, empty, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was what? Empty. Proof. They went and they told Peter and John and they raced to the tomb. They looked inside the tomb. It was empty. Peter ran in and then John came in and it said, and he saw and he believed. And he saw that the linen cloth that Jesus had been buried in, the ones that were on his body was laying there where the body had laid, but the other cloths were folded and put in another spot. They had taken the time to lay them there showing that it, he was, the body wasn't stolen. Thieves didn't come in and do it because thieves wouldn't have taken that time. That he had actually risen. And then outside the tomb, Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. And then on the, on, on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus appeared to the two that was walking on the road. And then on that Easter Sunday night, when Jesus made his first appearance to the, to the apostles, to the disciples in the upper room. When they had locked themselves in the, in the upper room. Fear that they may fall to the same hands. And he stood in their midst and said, Shalom! Peace, I am with you. And then a week later, when Thomas was with them, I think Thomas, instead of doubting Thomas, it ought to be absent Thomas. A week later in the same room, Shalom. And then the third time by the, by the Sea of Galilee, when, when he fed the disciples, And then when he showed himself to the 500 eyewitnesses of the resurrected Lord. And then when he showed himself on the ascension day. And then when he showed himself unto Paul on the day that Paul's conversion. Proofs. Those things are written so that we may believe. Concrete evidence. Don't take my word for it. Go to the Word. These things are written so that you and I may believe. And then not only that, I think one of the, the things that stands out to me most, only two of the disciples' deaths are recorded in Scripture. Judas, after he had betrayed Christ, and Peter's. But all the disciples died horrible deaths. Why would they put themselves through that if Jesus wasn't who He said He was? Proofs of the cross. Proofs of who Jesus is. Because He did, I am. Because He did. I am, in the words of Randy Dab shared with us that day. Because he did, I am. We all know the numbers. 82% of the people in our schools and 82% of the people in the world, I say, I say it translates hand in hand, are dying today and going to hell without Jesus Christ. That's the why. 
that's the why we do what we do. So as you heard from Phil, um, God's got a plan for all of our lives. And it is always encouraging for me to hear somebody else's story um, of how God moved. It brings me peace to know um, as I'm sitting on a, a national staff, I'm an operations guy. I'm not in charge of a lot of the hiring and firing and all those kind of things, but to know that God is working out his plan. Even before Casey Jones was stepping away, God was working in Phil's heart to bring him into this position. And, uh, you know, God's got a plan for first priority. Uh, we've got big dreams. We've got big hopes. Uh, but God is going to pave the way for us to take the hope of Christ to every student. So whatever's going on in your life, I'd love to hear your story. You know, shoot me an email. I'd love to get on a phone call with you, hear your story. What has God used? How is God using you in your first priority club and your first priority ministry? If, whether you're a, a coach, a sponsor, a student leader, um, an area coordinator, a director, whatever the case might be, board member. I would love to hear your story. What is God doing? How did God bring you into this ministry? What is his call in your life in this ministry? Um, and again, I just hope that you were as encouraged as I was about listening uh, to the heart of, of who Phil is and, and what he's done. Um, I will offer up as a pre, pre, pre way out there uh, moment that uh, Phil is usually at the first party fall conference. We're going to be in Fort Worth, Texas, October 25, 24, 25, 26, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That information is on firstparty.club slash events. Uh, registration will be opening up this summer. And uh, it's just a place for all of our directors and coordinators and people at large to come and build relationship with each other. So would love for you to come out to that in-person event. Um, again, just continue to check over the summer firstparty.club slash events. And uh, you can meet Phil and many other people in person. And uh, we can just continue to grow as a team of people working towards the same cause. So thanks for listening in. I appreciate you. I appreciate hearing the stories. I continue to hear the stories in spring meetings up in St. Louis. Uh, we were talking about the podcasts and one of our directors was talking about um, how his volunteers listen in on the podcast and always ask him each week whether he's listened to it or not. And he had to, had the smile on his face when he said that they usually listen to it before he did. So it's fun to hear those stories of, of people who are listening. Um, if you're not a director, continue to harass your director and uh, tell them how awesome this podcast is. And uh, we can continue to put out some good content. So again, uh, reach out to me if you've got a story. would love to hear that. would love to maybe feature you on a podcast and uh, have you be a part of that. But until next week, when we have another great episode of the First Party Podcast, I hope you have a good one. And thanks for listening. <laughs>